All right, take your Bibles if you would, and let's go to Philippians chapter 3. And again, what we are trying to do is really just take uh, an, an entire evening and go over the top um, uh, to try to gain the big picture. And as I was going through the outline, I... I went into my dictionaries and things and found some letters that all uh, agree with each other. We have our background and context. We have Paul's convocation. That's a nice word for prayer. And then Paul's confidence, which is his hope and his expectation. That was uh, that the Lord, which had begun that work, was going to continue that work, that there was nothing going to hinder God's work in his church at Philippi. And then last week we spent time on Paul's consolation. And, and remember, the theme of that consolation was not just uh, a pat on the shoulder and saying, hey, I, I feel, uh, want you to feel better about things. More often the proper word for that would be pity. And, and that's not something that most of us enjoy. Uh, we, we don't want to have pity. I, I don't want you to pity me. I want you to get on your tool belt and help. Amen. And, and if you can't do that, pray. And, and the Lord has aided and, and has helped us. And Paul is telling the, the, the Philippian church here that there is consolation in Christ. It is the answer. They are going to move forward. And now he starts chapter three with finally, my brethren, and of course, one of the things that uh, uh, you need to understand when a preacher says, in conclusion, or finally, it means absolutely nothing. He's got a lot more to say, and, and uh, Paul is, is uh, moving toward the end of, of his book here, a very short little letter, but uh, uh, he's saying, rejoice in the Lord. Now, Let's just pick this up again, the, the, the big picture here. He had just got done telling them about Epaphroditus who had brought out an offering. And when Epaphroditus saw the need and, and what was going on, he actually began to work and earn money on his own and almost worked himself to death. Uh, just trying to meet the need. Now, Paul's going to address that when he gets to chapter 4. That's not how the needs are met. God takes care of things. And if He chooses not to give us what we think we need, He will give us grace to endure with what we have. Amen? God makes a way and He wants them to understand. Listen, you got to love Epaphroditus' spirit. Amen? That willing heart, that I am going to do it. But you know what? You can't do it. I can't do it. Epaphroditus couldn't do it. Nobody can do it. Because whose church is it, my friend? It's Jesus' church. Can we say amen to that? Who's the builder of his church? I'm sure Brother Valdez has met people like this. I know I have. I've met some preachers. They'd build a church even if Jesus wasn't involved. Uh, I mean, it's just going to happen. Uh, they, uh, if, 
if it wouldn't matter what they were doing, they are going to be very successful at it. That's not the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not necessarily the work of Jesus Christ. That goes back where Paul addressed some, preach the gospel out of the right motives, and some have some not-so-right motives. It's not that they're not preaching the truth. It's maybe they're not always doing it the right way. And Paul says, listen, every person who gets saved, I'm not here to argue. Uh, I, I love Brother Clayton's summary of that. I, I believe what they do. I'm just not mad about it. Amen. Uh, and we're going to do the work as right as we possibly can. But there is so much that needs to be corrected right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church that we don't have time to run around correcting everybody else. Amen. And, and that's simply the attitude that Paul's saying. Now, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Forget about these things that could be divisive because you've got some things to take care of. Look what he says here. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. You know, this being coming up on our 25th anniversary in October, there's there's been a, a little bit of time just to think, uh, especially as I'm choosing different topics for sermons. And I was looking through my notes. This is the third time that we've gone through the book of Philippians. And, and uh, there are several other books that we've uh, been through. Uh, many times in certain passages of Scripture, Philippians chapter 3, that we're going through tonight, uh, I'll bet I have at least 50 sermons on, on, on this passage over the years. Don't be afraid of repetition. And Paul is telling the Philippians, repetition is not a reprimand. You know, it's safe to be reminded. What did Peter say? He said, I want to stir up your minds. I want you to remember these things. He said, I'm not going to be here for very long, and I want you to remember the things of the gospel. And so Paul is actually doing several things here. He is not only telling them, listen, you already know what I've written. This is not new material. Now, there's some comfort in that, in the fact that by the time Paul had written the book of Philippians, the church was already established. There was no new introduction of new material. Of course, John would uh, finish off uh, the New Testament with uh, the book of Revelation. But once you get to Revelation chapter 4... Uh, you're not talking about the church anymore until you get right to the end of the book as it returns with Jesus. The, the entire scope of the church is already here. And yet, what do we have going on in Christianity today? Oh, we need to reinvent the church to reach the society in which... No, we don't need to reinvent anything. It already works because it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to me. It's Jesus' church. He's the one that's going to build it. And that takes a lot of pressure off, doesn't it? You see, that's why Paul's telling them to rejoice. 
He says, I'm not giving you a whole boatload of new things. He said, I'm reminding you of that which you already know. How many of you took algebra in high school? How many of you, if I gave you a polynomial equation right now, you could work it out on paper? My hand's not up. I'm just showing you what you... Maybe a few of us, two or three, if you're teaching it again. Uh, But if you're not reviewing the information, guess what? There's no way you're going to pass an algebra test. Now, we're not talking about an algebra test. We're talking about life. And if you'd stop and think, there's probably some things that are in this book called the Bible that you haven't reviewed in a while. And that's what Paul's telling the Philippians. He says, I'm not. Now, when Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, he didn't have that approach. It was, you people... Don't you get it? When he wrote to the Galatians, he said, Who hath bewitched you? But he's writing to the Philippians. Listen, I'm just reminding you. He said, I never get tired of preaching the same sermon over and over and over again. Because we really only have one message. Jesus Christ, crucified, risen again, and coming again. Amen? And so, as Paul starts off chapter 3, he says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. It's not grievous to me to remind you of this. I don't want you being upset about Epaphroditus. But here's what I do want you to do. I want you to be aware. I want you to be aware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Now, wow. That, that is sit up and take notice when Paul words it that way. Everything is in the emphatic sense. It's beware of dogs. Now, do I have to spend a lot of time in New York City to say beware of dogs? Somebody said, why do you people in New York look down all the time? He said, because people have dogs. That's why we look down all the time. You see, dogs are very simple animals. Food. I do what I want when I want to do it. That's a dog. They don't care about anything that's going on. A hunting dog sit there and the only thing they want to do is go hunting. And when you don't let them go hunting, they'll sit there at the leash and they'll just howl and do everything they can until you chain, take them out. Uh, I, I don't know what people do with these dogs. Uh, I, I saw this little tiny lady, oh, maybe about that tall, and the dog was that big. And I'm going, who's taking who on this walk? And... Uh, but you know what? Dogs are content... Anywhere. You find dogs all over the world. Wild dogs are usually in the uh, garbage dumps now, aren't they? Uh, They look around. They they clean things up. And we won't try to get too gross here, but 
There's a lot of spiritual dogs. They're just in it for what's for them. They don't care about anybody else. They don't care. And if you ever want to get in trouble, just begin between a dog and his food. Or what he thinks is his food. Uh, Peter, when he was in Oklahoma City, he would uh, stop at a certain supermarket and pick up I don't know what it was, but anyway, it was some kind of cured meat that had a very distinctive odor. And he's walking home by himself late at night, and he says, Every dog in the neighborhood's following me. I can't. I said, Son, you're carrying the meat. And finally, I think the story ended. He got scared one night. He threw the meat at the dogs and went running home. And, and uh, of course, it didn't... Uh, uh, offend the dogs at all that the meat was on the ground, that he had thrown it and ran in fear. They, they were having a great time. That's what they wanted. But may I draw an application? One of the most popular nonfiction books in print today is The Purpose Driven Life. And what it is, is a plan for you to get what you want from God. Some of the most popular, quote-unquote, TV preachers today uh, are what we would uh, call derisively, of course, the name-it-and-claim-it crowd, where you tell God what you want, and if you don't have what you want, it's because... I heard one preacher... He says, I, I, I raised my voice. Maybe he didn't hear me the first time. I want that new car. And I'm thinking, Wow. If I talk like that to my dad, I wouldn't be talking for a while. My dad didn't believe in that kind of stuff. I only had him a few years till I was 14, but I, I understood a few things and you, you just didn't, you didn't raise your voice. And, and you didn't correct him. By the way, those are some pretty good rules to keep when we're talking to our Heavenly Father as well, isn't it? Because He's never wrong. You see, this thing of dogs was nothing new. It's just what it means. People that don't care about anything but themselves. That's not why you come to church, I hope and pray. Every so often we'll get a phone call and somebody will... uh, do you have anything for? And they'll fill in the blank. And I say, well, well, we have this and that, but, you know, uh, what we have is church. That's, that's what we have. Well, is that all? Well, wait a minute. That's all that Jesus left us. Amen? And so, you have to beware of the dogs. And then, you have to beware of the evil workers. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but Paul is telling us here, there are such a thing as evil workers. There are people. And as a church, we've had to deal with this. Praise God, we've dealt with it preemptively, not after the fact. But that's one of the reasons why we have an usher in every service and, and they go roaming through the building because there was an occasion right here in Queens. Praise God, it wasn't at this church. It wasn't even at another Baptist church. But uh, 
where a man came in and did some very, just randomly stopped, knew the church doors would be open on Sunday morning, uh, came in, he claimed to use the restroom, but that's not what he did. He was using the church, and there are people out there that use the church to further their evil means. We, several uh, years ago now, I guess it was, we had a group of people come in and uh, uh, they said, Pastor, can we meet with you after service? And of course, uh, I learned that the rule is if somebody wants to meet with you, make them come service first. A lot of times they'll get mad and leave and you don't even have to talk to them when they have ulterior motives. And of course, these people came in about five minutes before the service ended. And so I knew. This was going to be a ringer. And they said, we have some free Sunday school material we'd like you to check out as a pastor. And I said, wow, oh, okay. I said, we have our own Sunday school material. Oh, no, we, we want you to look at this. And, and so it's on the family. And I said, well, I believe in the family. And uh, so they gave me the book and I started looking through it. And for some little reason, a little red flag went off. And I just, I said, where's the publisher information? I went, sure enough, was from Sung Young Moon and the Moonies. And they had all these different churches of all the, those are evil workers. You see, they want to use the church to prosper themselves. Sung Young Moon is such a loser, nobody, nothing. He is on the wrong side of eternity. He is no longer with us on this side. Have no hope of throne judgment because of what he believed in the things he said. But he used churches like this to get credibility for himself and his organization. Those are the evil workers that are out there. It's not talking about the the nightclub crowd and the uh, alphabet people and all of these other groups that are they're going to do the, they don't care about the church in fact they wish we didn't exist it's the people who want to use the church to further themselves those are the evil workers and you got to watch for them because they're out there they're trying to make Prophet of the church. Then the last one is the concision. Now what Paul is doing here is in verse 3, he's going to start the main text of the issue he's dealing with here in the chapter. He says, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. What he's simply here by calling them the concision is he's dealing with the Judaizers. He's dealing with those that uh, uh, were trying to bring false doctrine. They, they had effectively infiltrated the churches in the Galatian area. In fact, Paul had to write most of his letter uh, dealing with that thing. Um, they had... Uh, been at the Corinthian church where they were saying, I was of Peter and Paul and Apollos and all these different things. And Paul says to the Philippian church, listen, you got to beware. If these people come in, 
They're going to draw people to themselves. You know what? There ought not be cliques, little groups in the church. Anytime there's that kind of thing, there are individuals looking for attention to themselves. That's the concision. And we've got to watch those things. We've got to beware, or it will take root. Where individuals will begin to pull attention to themselves. That's one of the reasons uh, somebody says, uh, uh, we'll get phone calls, uh, can we talk to your committee on this? And, and uh, I'll usually go talking. And, uh, no, no, I, I mean, the. Uh, Who's in charge? We got one the other day. Who's in charge of your copy machines? Uh, I, I said, well, I, I, I take care of that. We're good. And Well, can I have your name so, so that we know? I said, listen, if you call our church, you're going to get me on the phone. So don't worry about it. Just take the church off the name when we do business. We have two trustees, three trustees in total here. Uh, at Open Door. Why? Because the state of New York says they want trustees. But who does the main business of the church? The church does. That's why we take care of things as a committee of the whole. And Paul says, listen, beware of the concision because they're out there. And here is an verse to that. We are the true circumcision. That means cut off from the world because we worship God in the Spirit. Remember John chapter 4, Jesus said, The Father seeketh them to worship Him in what? In Spirit and in truth. By the way, can we touch on one other thing? Can you worship Jesus in the Spirit and not worship Him in your physical body? You know how the world has this little thing. You don't judge a book by its cover. Well, that's sometimes true. But, you see, you can be all right on the outside and all wrong on the inside. Bible said that's, that, that's where the dogs and the evil workers and the concision, they come in there. But you can't be all right on the inside and wrong on the outside. That cannot be. That is not God's working. Because that is confusion. And we all know who the author of confusion is now, don't we? The devil loves to trick people. But if you're truly on the right on the inside, you'll be right on the outside. Now, we do understand new Christians, they need a little time to catch up. Amen? Relax. You don't have to do everything today. That's what Paul's telling the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord. If you just start there, you're going to end up in the right place. You don't have a choice. Amen? And, and so, he says, we are the, the concision, we, circumcision, we are the which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Now we move into the, uh, a large section of the chapter here where Paul says, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he have com- whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. 
And again, we're trying to get the big picture here, so we're not going to get too detailed right this this time through chapter 3, but I want you to get what Paul's saying here. He says, I have no confidence in the flesh. And then he says, if anybody else wants to get in a contest, I win. Paul was issuing a challenge here, really. And you say, how, how do you know when something, when you have no confidence in the flesh? Well, just let somebody criticize it. Just try to take something away from it that you like. And guess what? Your flesh is going to complain now, isn't it? You see, Paul, again, he's not condemning the Philippian church. He wants them to beware. And he wants them to pay attention. And he's going to illustrate this thing because this idea of no confidence in the flesh is such a key to true Christianity. Conflict only comes how? Contention only comes by pride, doesn't it? What's pride? Confidence in the flesh. What's the greatest sin you and I will face in this world? It's pride. That's the one that turned Lucifer, son of the morning, into the devil. That is the most dangerous sin. My kids used to have this recording when I was a kid. It was, uh, what was that? Patch the Pirate in Island or something like that. And it was all about me first, me first, me first. And, and uh, listen, that's what Paul's trying to talk about here. He said, if you're going to worship God, if you're going to rejoice in Christ... You have to get past you first. And if you think you've got a job getting past you, he said, let me tell you what I had to get past. And so he goes through the list here. If we were trying to put this in in modern vernacular, Paul was really a super Jew. Uh, he was a Jew of the Jews. I mean, he had everything that could be attained in the Jewish religion. He had it. Very few people. Paul was really making an argument here. He was more Jewish in his zeal and in the things that he did with his life on a daily basis than many of the high priests who were running the Jewish religion, they weren't out there persecuting, but they sure loved little Paul, young Paul, who was out there holding the coats while Stephen was getting stoned. And they were the ones that gave him permission to go to Damascus to uh, bring back to Jerusalem. I still have a problem wrapping my head around that. What kind of authority did those Jewish priests think that they had that Paul 
could operate in other territories and jurisdictions of the Roman Empire, arresting people and bringing them back for trial to an entity that didn't even exist as far as the Roman uh, judicial system was concerned. Where in the world did Paul think he was going to get off with that? Almost sounds like an American politician, doesn't it? We're going to have a federal investigation here. We, 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 you know, the, the, the seriousness of the charges are so great that we don't even have to look at the evidence. We just need to investigate. Well, that's what's a lot's going on today. Nothing new. And that's where Paul was. He had overstepped his bounds. He had confidence in the flesh that was just running out his ears. I mean, every place Paul went, you knew Paul had been there. Like World War II, Kilroy was here. I mean, everywhere that Paul went, his mark was left behind him. People knew. That was the kind of man Paul was. He said, if you had confidence in the flesh, he said, I'm more. But I love verse 8. Those things were counted gain to me. Let me, um, let me just read it right here. Yea, doubtless, and I count... Uh, verse 7, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And, and we're getting into the next part here. As Paul was saying, Everything that I was able to attain with my effort and my ability was worthless than worthless. He said, because I wanted to know Christ. You see, if you'll start there, you're going to end up in the right place. We think too much of ourselves. That's why we got problems. Just let somebody steal that parking spot that you had your eye on. You're going to complain. That old flesh is going to jump up. Somebody squeezes in front of you and the doors on the train go, and you're standing there looking at the train going out the platform and you're going, oh, I Now, I can't pray God send lightning down because we're underground, but boy, uh, no, that's the flesh speaking up. And Paul says, listen, I had to get rid of everything because true confidence is this. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I want to stop at verse 10, because that's one of our theme verses this year, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. You see, Paul is saying, listen, rejoice in the Lord. It's not about what you can do, what you can't do. It's all about what Jesus has done. 
The only righteousness I want in my life is that which comes from Jesus Christ. That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. And Paul moves on here and and he says, If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I couldn't tell you how many times I've read verse 12 and and just said, Okay, I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. But do do you follow the words? He's saying, listen, I am striving. I am working. I have suffered the loss of all things. And Paul knew what it meant when he uttered those words. Uh, Today we have people thinking that they have suffered the loss of something for Christ. When really what they did was they had to give up on their dream, which... Would have never been any more than a dream. It's like me in the Marine Corps. I would have loved to have been a Marine. But I'm, I'm old enough now to understand that would not have been a very pleasant experience either for the Marine Corps or for me. Uh, I might could have done it a little while, but eyesight and all those other things would have really, really hindered. But I still think up here. No, you couldn't have done that. Come on. That's not sacrificing for Jesus. That's not giving up something. That's not suffering the loss of anything. That is welcome to reality, mister. You are a human being and not as good a one as you think you is. I mean, welcome to the real world. That's not suffering the loss of something for Christ. Paul had attained these things. They were real in his life. He had the degrees on the wall if they gave out such things in those days. He had the accomplishments. He had the admiration of his peers. He had all of those things and he gladly threw them away that he could get to know Jesus a little better. And he says, I am trying to attain. He says, I don't count myself to be perfect. I haven't reached that level of mature Christianity where nothing is lacking. That's what the word perfect means. It does not mean sinlessly perfect. What it means is simply that I've grown up into Christ and nothing is missing. He says, I'm still working on that. Now, if the Apostle Paul was still working on that, shouldn't that be a challenge to you and I to still work on that? Hello? Are we all together yet? But here's what he's saying. He says, I'm trying to apprehend. I'm chasing after this thing. I am reaching out. I'm trying to grab. Now, look at the last phrase there. That for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I am trying to get a hold of that 
mature Christianity, relationship with Jesus Christ, righteousness which is of faith in God and not from any works of the law. He says, I'm trying to get a hold of it, but I'm already held tight. Jesus has a hold of me. Paul was not talking as uh, he did in... In chapter 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's reiterating this in, in the overall picture letter. He says, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation. But there's more of a relationship with Jesus Christ that can be had if I would stretch out and reach out. Philippians. We'll get the right church here. He said, Philippians, if you want to know How to live this faith. This is the heart attitude. Chapter 2, you remember, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now he's telling them how to live out that mind in Christ Jesus. By reaching out, by not counting themselves. One preacher said, we Christians spend too much time sitting around on our blessed assurance and not serving God the way we should. And that's what Paul is addressing here. Hey, I'm glad that when Jesus saves you, he saves you forever. That your salvation is not dependent upon your works. It's dependent upon Jesus' works. Verse 13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many would say, preacher, that's what I want for my life. I I want to press toward that mark. I want to be moved. Well, then go back and get rid of yourself. And every accomplishment, every talent, every ability, and start with just Jesus. I've used this example. This was... Way back when I was a uh, a kid, I I wasn't actually there. I heard another preacher telling about it. A, a preacher was talking about it He's, during the Cold War. He said, they're going to come and they're going to take our Bibles and they're going to take our churches. They're going to take our freedoms and we won't have anything but Jesus. And then he stopped. He was waxing eloquent and making a point, but maybe the Holy Spirit stepped in there and held make the point that he really should have made. That's all we do need. If we have anything else in there, we mess up the equation. That's what Paul's saying here. I gotta get rid of self. God doesn't want your talents, no matter how great they are. He doesn't want your abilities. He wants you to surrender everything. then sometimes God will take those natural abilities. But more often than not, you know what he likes to do? He likes to take people who have no natural ability and then give them spiritual ability. How many of you remember when Dr. Smith was here years ago? And he says, we just... This is a direct quote. He said, we just weren't quite sure what would ever happen to shy little Pete Montoro. And everybody laughed and snickered and they're going, we, we have no idea who you're talking about. Well, that's who 
Dr. Smith knew when I was 16 years old. Shy, quiet, always in the back of the room, never wanted to put... I couldn't even play my saxophone without my hand shaking so bad I'd drop it without the... Um, uh, uh, without the strap holding it in place. I, I'd rather do anything than stand up in front of people. And I remember my first sermon, it was less than three minutes, supposed to be five minutes. And, and uh, oh, was it pitiful. Uh, but praise God, I hope there's a little spiritual ability and not natural ability coming in. You see, that's how God wants to do it. He's got to get rid of you so he can remake you. Otherwise, you're going to end up in one of those three groups we talked about at the very beginning. You're either going to just get concerned about yourself, dogs, or worse yet, you're going to become the tool in the hands of the evil workers or, or join up with them thinking you're doing what's right. Or... You're going to join that other group that starts drawing attention to yourself instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to end up there if you don't get down to verse 7 and get rid of everything in your life. And see, Paul sums that up in verse 15 here. He says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in any thing ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. You know what Paul's saying here? Paul is just simply saying, listen, as many of you as are spiritual and grown in Christ, you know what I'm, I'm already reminding you of what you already know. It's not grievous. It's safe to be reminded. He said, and if you haven't grown enough spiritually to learn this truth, you need to grow enough spiritually to learn this truth. If you want to know what God's going to reveal to you, he's not going to reveal anything else. He's going to reveal what Paul is preaching in chapter 3. That i got to get rid of me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And it needs to be about him and him alone. And we come down to verse 16, and he gives the final warning here. He says, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already, have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind... The same thing, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul's saying, I want you to understand, there's an awful lot of people. If you want to know one of the reasons I like to um, uh, talk about Heartland Baptist Bible College is there are people there that walk by the same rule. They're doing the same thing. I think of Brother Sam. He's a, almost a generation, not quite, ahead of me. And people like Brother Clayton, he's got children older than I am. And they're walking in this same path. Those are the people you got to mark. We're, we're not... How many lessons have we spent on history around here, Baptist history? Uh, if you don't like history, well, tough. I'm going to preach on it anyway because it's important. You see, those men that walked in the truth of this Bible removed 
by generations and even millennia of time, by nations and continents and language and every division that you can imagine. If they had true faith in Jesus Christ, they would be just as at home here as they were in the churches they preached in all those centuries ago. Because it's the same truth, it's the same Jesus. And when you get past yourself and all you can think about is Jesus, guess what? You're going to do the same thing. Amen? you got to try. Because there are those out there, and here's where he ends. He says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, Paul is confirming the way the gospel message should be lived. He's trying to give you the heart attitude of the true servant of Jesus Christ. He said, whatever I got before I was saved, he said, it didn't help me at all. He said, I've suffered the loss of all things. And he said, I couldn't get rid of it fast enough. I did not lose any great thing. In fact, I am greatly benefited by getting rid of all of those things that were attached to me in my life before I knew Christ. You see, Paul is trying to encourage the Philippian church to continue in the faith that he had left there when he went to jail and was beaten and was released. He had gone back for a few days and then another little trip because of people trying, the Judaizers trying to kill him and the Philippian church had been with him. In fact, he had just received a great offering from them and when it wasn't enough, the, the uh, messenger from the Philippian church had worked himself half to death and, and Paul says, listen, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. It's not about what you can or cannot do. It's about Jesus. But I want you to be careful because the dogs are out there. The workers of evil are out there. The concision is there. He said, they're, they're going to be in your church. And if you're not careful, you're going to end up joining them. But if you'll surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you'll get that mind in you that I've not achieved... I haven't apprehended that, but I've already got my safety harness on. I'm attached. I'm grounded. And I'm going to keep pressing toward that mark. 
Somebody said, how do you know when you're done? It's real easy. You'll look up and there will be Jesus. Until you, and it won't be a vision, my friend. It's not going to, you'll be out of this world. When God's done with you, He takes you home. If you're alive, He's got something He wants you to do. And we serve Him. And we have to understand that there are those that are enemies of the cross, and they're going to be out there. But let's not look at the enemies of the cross. Sometimes as a pastor, I I feel like I need to call some names like Sung Young Moon and some of these other guys just so people will beware. Because if, if, if you just listen to what they say, it sounds really good. We had a little group visit us a while back. They, they, uh, they called themselves the Good News Mission, Gospel Mission. And I'm looking there and looking through their stuff and trying to figure out and then one of the groups said, yeah, some people call us a cult. Oh, okay, well, maybe there's a reason for that. And uh, there's reasons for that. Which we won't go into tonight. But somebody used to attend our services was sucked into that group, and he's there now instead of here. That's a tragedy. You know what? They're out there. They're looking. And if you don't pay attention, they're going to get you. That's what Paul's telling the Philippians. And so, Lord willing, next Thursday night, we'll try to finish up the book of of uh, Philippians in the surface view. And then we'll just go back and start picking up some of the gems over the next several weeks here. But I want you to think and pray about those things. Let's just bow our heads and have the piano play.